Good morning, Living Waters Fellowship. So glad to see you on this side of the screen here. Unfortunately, we couldn't meet this morning, but we are going to open up here this morning with a, a new song called Grace Alone. And I'm pretty sure you have the lyrics at home, so please follow along, okay? I was an orphan lost at the fall Running away when I'd hear you call But Father, you worked your will I had no righteousness of my own Father, you love me still. And in love before you laid the world's foundation, you predestined to adopt me as your own. You have raised me up so high above my station. I'm a child of God by grace and grace shot me a joke because we can't do church without a cheesy joke. Am I right? Okay, here it is. Ready? Why don't melons get married? Because they can't elope. You're welcome, Andy Bettle. Thank you. If Laffy Taffy is watching, you need Andy Bettle to write your jokes. Okay, thank you guys this morning for being so flexible. Um, nobody wants to get rained on. Nobody wants to be around during a thunderstorm outside, right? Um, if you are new to Living Waters this morning. Give me a few minutes and I will jump on our Facebook page in the thread of this um, video and I will add our newcomers card. Please click on it, fill it out. Um, if that doesn't work, feel free to email me. I'm the church manager. My name is Chelsea Smith at office at livingwatersfellowship.org and I will reach out to you as soon as I get your email and answer any questions that you have about our church. Um, obviously, we don't pass a plate this morning. Nobody's here. So if you opened up your email that you got this morning, church, um, our link, um, the lwf.churchcenter.com slash giving link, that's where you can give your tithe. Otherwise, you can wait maybe till next week um, or feel free to mail your check or drop it off at the well. 
Okay, a few quick reminders. We got a lot going on this week. I did get a hold of Rob Pearson this morning and the Yeet in the Heat event that's going on today for the youth. They are going to move that to 1.30 instead of 12.30 um, because the rain should clear off by then. But parents, make sure you feed your kids before they come to the event um, and make sure that they have clothes that can get wet. Sounds like a good time. Make sure that you're aware of those changes. All right. Next thing on our agenda is the LWF Members Fellowship meeting is this coming Tuesday at the tent at 630. No child care will be provided. Bring your own chairs. Good things to talk about. You don't want to miss it, you guys. Um, the next thing on our list is our purchase party, July 3rd, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Fairway Building, which is now our church building. You guys come out. There's going to be popcorn music. There's going to be photo opportunities, opportunities for you guys to put your name on the building, literally. Um, and we're just going to celebrate the fact that we just bought that building debt free. Like, God provided that. How amazing is that? Don't want to miss it. And then finally, you guys, VBS registration, uh, July 10th, 11th, 12th of this year. This coming month of July at the new church property um, is VBS. And if you have not registered, that is going to be um, in the MailChimp volunteer or volunteer update coming out tomorrow. And if you have any questions about signing your kids up, signing up to volunteer, bring snacks, bring crafts, whatever, um, feel free to reach out to Julie McDaniel, our um, kids ministry director at kids at livingwatersfellowship.org. That's all I got for you this morning. We're going to get back to worship with Brandon. Thank you, guys. Now we're going to sing together the song, King of My Heart. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, is my song, cause you are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me 
Amen. Good morning, everybody. God is good. Amen. Can I get a sofa? Amen. I didn't think I'd have to say that anymore, but can I get one? Amen. God is good, even in the rain. So thankful uh, that you guys could join us this morning on Facebook and on YouTube. My name is Pastor Josh. I'm preaching pastor here. And if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up to Psalm chapter 25. Psalm 25 is where we're going to be this morning. And as we get ready to read God's Word together, I just want to say a huge thank you to um, our staff and everybody this morning. It was pure craziness from about 5.15 a.m. till about 7.15 a.m. when we were looking at weather. And, you know, planning for rain is a lot harder than planning for snow. And we knew that when we set up the tent, it's going to be harder to plan for rain than snow. And it proved to be true, but our staff was just incredible. Uh, Brandon, Jared, Mark Black, and who else was out there? Lawrence was out there. Bishop Lawrence was out there. And I just want to say thank you to those guys. They were out there. They set up all the sound stuff underneath the tent. And then I had to go out and walk out to the tent and tell them that, hey, you're going to need to pick all that up because we're going to do streaming service this morning. And they handled it like champs. If they were upset or sinning, it was just in their hearts because they didn't say anything out loud. But anyway, in the morning, we were looking up at the sky. I wish somebody could have gotten a picture of this. Actually, Mark Black and Jared and you guys, if you could post the pictures from this morning in the thread, it was amazing to see the clouds. They're so scary. And they were like swirling and all this stuff. But all of us were like heads up like this, like we were 11-year-old boys just looking at the sky saying, that's so cool. That's so amazing. And uh, it was just a, it was a good time. Anyway, stinks that we can't have church together, but this is God's goodness to us, and this is His, uh, His grace to us to allow us to meet online. And also, I want to give a shout out to uh, Julie McDaniel, our kids director, and Holly and Rob Pearson, who hosted the Junior Girls Camp this weekend. Uh, girls had a great time, nothing but rave reviews about the time that they spent together in God's Word. Uh, thank you, Kelly Frericks, a uh, missionary from Peru, for uh, being a special speaker for us this weekend, and Julie and my wife, Danielle, as well. You guys did such a great job, and the junior girls were blessed, and the junior boys were blessed in the previous weekend. And so, Julie McDaniel, you deserve uh, a sofa amen and some claps and some love online because you've done a great job leading us through. And VBS is in just... Two weeks, get registered. We're really excited. It's going to be a lot of fun, July uh, 9th through the 11th. So, all right, let's go into God's Word here. Psalm chapter 25. Let's read together the Word of God. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. And for you I wait all day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. For those who keep his commandments and his testimonies. For your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. 
His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. He makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble. Forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. The reading of your word, the hearing of your word is supernatural in its power. It has amazing strength to save that person who is not a Christian, to bring believers, Christians, into greater places of change and decision. Lord, your word has the power, not us. We don't have any power. Your word has the power. And Lord, we ask that this word from Psalm 25 would speak to our hearts and our minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So the power really is in the word of God. Amen? Absolutely. The power is not in a pastor. The power is not in uh, you as a person. The power is not in social media. The power is not anywhere except for in the, the word of God, the inspired word of God. So we're going to look at this inspired word in Psalm 25. And I want to give you just a little bit of background. Psalm 25 is written by David. King David wrote Psalm 25. And it's an acrostic. This psalm is an acrostic, which is a really interesting way to write a song. So it, it, it's basically each verse, verses 1 through 22, parallel the, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So this is a really cool psalm as we study it because we're seeing an acrostic. So it's got a lot of verses to it, and it, and it parallels the alphabet of the Hebrew language. The psalm is personal, and it ends um, national. So David starts it as a personal thing, and then he, he draws it out to a national prayer in verse 22. Um, it moves from the interior of David's heart to the exterior of his enemies and also the nation. Um, the psalm is a strong mix of concern and trust. So you can see it, you can feel it in this psalm that David is concerned over his own sin. He's concerned about his enemies. And he's also concerned about the nation of Israel. But he also mingles his concern in this psalm with trust in God's promises. He's feeling burdened. Um, you feel a burden in this song, right? So I don't know if you, if you follow music at all, but there are some songs of lament. There are songs of concern. There are songs of burden that are both Christian and secular. Uh, this is a song that, that really you feel David's burden. You feel his, the heavy weight on his heart. He's feeling a struggle. He's feeling the struggle of his day. He's feeling burdened about himself, his own sins. He's burdened about his enemies. And he's burdened about his nation. Can I get a sofa amen? Because you're feeling, I don't know about you, but are you feeling the struggle of our day? You'd have to be almost completely unaware of everything going on to not feel a burden for our country, to feel a burden for our neighborhoods, to feel a burden for families, feel a burden for our own hearts. And so what David is looking for in Psalm 25 is a path. He's looking for a pathway forward. You can see it in verse 5. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. You see it again in, in verse 10. All the paths of the Lord our steadfast love and faithfulness. I mean, the guy is looking for a path. And doesn't that mirror us? We're looking for a path this morning. We're looking for a pathway forward. Um, 
What are we going to do with our neighborhoods? What are we going to do with our nation? What's the pathway forward, God? So David is bearing his soul in verse 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. So basically his, his heart is on his sleeve. And like David, he is saying, God, what are your paths for my heart? What are your paths for my enemies? My heart's wide open to you, God. Just show me the way. How many times have you said that? In your life. God, show me the way. I just want to know the path that you have for me. So uh, David's looking for a path. The word path or way is listed six times in this psalm. David um, is looking to God and God answers David in Psalm 25. He gives David two pathways forward to life and freedom. And uh, it says, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness to those who keep his testimony. So God is going to answer David's concern in Psalm 25, and he's going to say, you want a pathway? Here's your pathway. The first path that God shows David and shows us this morning is the pathway of a humble heart. A humble heart. You can see in verse 9, God leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. So God's pathway in verse 9 is first of all for the humble. The word humble there in the Hebrew means poor and needy. And it means spiritual poverty, being spiritually a beggar. God shows his pathway to those who are spiritual beggars. Can I get a sofa amen? Can I get an amen at home? God shows his way to those people who know that they are poor and that they are needy spiritually. Um, God is looking for spiritual beggars with signs up, you know? Living on the south side, we see a lot of people begging on the streets. We see people with signs up that says, can't pay my rent, or I need some food, or whatever. And, and sometimes, I've seen some of you, I've, I've been that person too, where if I have money and I have a Bible, I'm feeling pretty good about meeting those people. But when I'm kind of stuck, you know, you've been there before. Come on, you've been there. You come to the lights and your car stops right where the poor person is and they're holding the sign and they're just looking at you. You know that. You know that awkward feeling. You're like, I don't have anything. And just eyes straight away, straight away, eyes straight away. Okay, some of those individuals who are begging for money and or food Some of those people are sham artists. Some of those people just, they don't have real needs. They're just asking you for money, and that's what you're thinking. But some of those people have real needs. And most of the time, our guilt is because we're not ready to meet those needs. But the picture, whether it's real or real need or a fake need, the picture is is a picture of how we're supposed to be spiritually. God is driving the car. And we're on the side of the road saying, God, please help me. I need a pathway forward. I don't know what I'm doing with my spiritual life. I need you. And God stops the car and gives us what we need because we are genuinely humble before him. God meets the needs. So God's path is for those who are humble. And God's path is for those who not only are humble, but those who wait on him. God opens his pathway towards those who wait on him. Look at verse 5. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. The word wait is also in verse 21. May integrity and upright, uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. And the, the word here in Hebrew means to look eagerly for, to expect, to hope. Like when you're waiting, you're eagerly anticipating. So the idea is not just a lazy process. Waiting on God is a very active process. It's a lot like the guys this morning at the parking lot looking into the clouds, the clouds moving all around and shifting. And what were we doing? We were waiting with anticipation that the skies were going to open up and the, the rain was going to fall. We weren't just sitting there like on, you know, sitting down on the concrete eating potato chips. We were looking at the sky, waiting, and we were like, okay, we need to make decisions. That's what it means to wait on God. It is to look to God with anticipation. God leads people who are humble. He leads people who wait on Him. And God leads the humble in heart through His leadership. You can see this in verse 9, verse 5. He leads the humble, 
in what is right. And then in verse 5, lead me in your truth and teach me. The Hebrew word lead there, it means to tread or to march. So the idea is that God is ahead of us, marching ahead of us, creating a pathway for us. You want God to lead, to, to create a pathway for you? Follow him with humility, wait on him, and he will tread out a pathway. The idea is like of a thick jungle, and you're following a leader who has a machete, and they're, they're, they're knifing through the, the jungle, and you're, you're going through a pathway that's already been created for you. James 4, 6, God says he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, which means he makes a pathway for the humble. God leads us through his teaching, right? Verse 4, make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. God teaches us. You can see this in verse 5. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Verse 9, he leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. How does God lead us today? He leads us through teaching. He teaches us. And the idea of the word teaching here is, is to, uh, to train through learning. It's, it's basically the idea of a small group of individuals getting together for discipleship, instruction, and conversation. God leads us personally. He disciples us. When we are humble and we wait for him, God shows us a path. He also instructs us. You can see this word in verse 8 and verse 12. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. And then in verse 12 it says, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him he will instruct in the way he should choose. So the word instruct here is different than teach because the word instruct here, it means to throw or cast upon. So this is a lot like an informational dump. When somebody's like dumping information on you, that's the idea here. God intimately disciples us, but then he also dumps information on us that we need. I don't know about you guys, I'm a history buff, and so I have, I have read a book on Martin Luther lately, and I'm working through a new book right now. And you know, when you get into a really good book, especially on history, you start spitting out all this knowledge, and people just look at you like you're crazy, right? Because like everything you're reading becomes applicable to your life. So you might be into romance novels. Can I get a sofa? Oh, I guess I am. I, amen. Right? Some of you might be into romance novels, some of you might be into sports magazines, some of you might be into other different kinds of literature, but whatever you get into, like it affects you. Like You start dumping information on other people, and other people, like if they're not in that same vein of learning, they're just like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude, but um, you keep, the, like the hundredth time you bring it up, it's a little annoying, right? So last night, I was... I got caught up with the Great Wall of China last night. That happened last night. I started studying about the Great Wall of China, not for any particular reason. It just, it just drew me in. And I came downstairs and I, I shared it with my family and, and my daughters were looking at me like, you are such a geek, Dad. Well, you're such a dork. What does this have to do with anything? And I'm like, I don't know. It could come up in a sermon later i don't know you know it could be an illustration it's just really amazing stuff because i love history i love i love to study ancient um you know just ancient peoples ancient ways i, I love to study where we've been um god dumps information into us if we're humble and we receive it God also disciples us intimately and gives us the portion of truth that we need for that moment. God is amazing because he does both of those. And, and when we have humble hearts to receive God's word, he will lead us down his pathway. Now, the, the problem is in our country that we, we don't want God to be our teacher anymore. That was for a previous generation or the two generations ago or three generations ago. God was, was needed then, but he's not needed for this generation. We have all of these things going for us. And, and there is just so much burden in my heart because the pathway of God will not be made known to us if we continue to have proud hearts. If we don't humble ourselves as a culture, as individuals, Bad things are coming our way. 
Because we can't reject the authority of God and the leadership of God and the teachership of God. We can't reject that and expect everything to go well. We must repent. We have to get right. We have to humble our hearts before our God. The main problems that we have in America today is a humility problem. We have a pride problem. We don't humble ourselves before God or before man, and we don't want God telling us what to do. We don't want to sit before God's feet and learn from him. We want to do it our way. And this is a warning shot For our culture, for our church, and for you and me as individuals. This is a warning shot from God. You want to know God's pathways? Humble yourself before him. Let him teach you. That's what David is saying in Psalm 25. Let him instruct you. And if you don't want to let him instruct you, prepare for his judgment. Prepare for his wrath. Prepare for his rejection of you as a person and as a culture. And by the grace of God, what we need to hear from Psalm 25 is that we need God to be our path giver. But we have to have humble hearts to see the path. May God have mercy on the culture who doesn't believe that they need God anymore. Psalm 33, verse 12, I believe, says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Something to think about. The path of God is shown, first of all, to the humble heart. And secondly, the path of God is shown to the repentant mind. The path of God is shown to the repentant mind. Um, God's path is for those whom he pardons you can see this in verse 11 and verse 18 for your namesake O lord pardon my guilt for it is great and in verse 18 consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins god's pathway is for those whom he pardons the word pardon there in verse 11 it means to forgive uh, of guilt to forgive of Literally, depravity and perverseness. That's what the word guilt there means. It means, God, forgive me of my depravity. Forgive me of my perversity. Forgive me for how perverted I am. Um, David is serious about having a repentant mind. David wants, in his mind, God to reveal the pathway to him But he wants his sins forgiven. He wants the pardon of God on his life from the perversity and the depravity that he finds in his own heart. Why? Why does David want that? Because David knows what a sinner he is. David knows how wicked he is. David knows that inside of him, though he is Though he has a relationship with God, he knows that his heart is inherently wicked. I've said it many times as I've preached here over the years. But John Calvin said that the human heart is a factory of idols. Which means that our hearts, our spiritual hearts, are constantly making new sins happen. We're constantly manufacturing perversity and depravity that come into our hearts and into our minds and out into our lives. David is serious about his sin. He knows that he is the worst sinner in the world. He knows that he has to have his guilt taken away, and he knows that he needs the forgiveness of all of his sins. Reminds you of Paul, right, in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1.15, that is a trustworthy statement deserving of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. I'm number one. Paul was number one on the sinner list in his own mind. Are you? Are you number one on the sinner list in your own mind? Or is there somebody else worse than you? David wants pardon. Paul, in the New Testament, wants pardon of his sins. 
And this is what a repentant mind looks like. The danger of our country is that we, we don't see or feel our sin anymore. Or we struggle to. In fact, seeing sin in ourselves is condemned these days as bad mental health and dangerous self-esteem issues. When we look at ourselves and we say, I'm the worst sinner that I know, the world will push back on that statement and they will say, you're not the worst person that you know. You're the best person, Josh. Josh, you are great. You are amazing. You are, you are incredible. The world doesn't want you to have a bad self-esteem. They don't want you to have bad mental health because you're looking at yourself saying, I see my hypocrisies accurately. That's the difference between a, a Bible vision of the world and of the soul and of what the world says. So therefore, David is serious about having it. And, and I think the main problem as in our culture is that we don't see ourselves as perverse anymore. Broadly speaking, we don't feel sorrow over our sin. Broadly speaking, we celebrate our sin. Romans chapter 1. This is a bad thing for our culture. It's a bad thing for us as individuals. It's a bad thing for our neighborhoods. It's a bad thing when we can't identify perverseness in us. And instead we celebrate it. That is a culture that is, have, has things completely mixed around. Upside down. David was feeling the burden of sin in his own personal life. Look, Check it out. He was feeling the sins of his youth. Verse 7. Remember not the sins of my youth, God, or my transgressions. Sins of the youth are the sins that you commit when you're young, full of passion, right? When you're young, you're indestructible. And when you're young, you can do whatever you want. And you just have passion and you don't know what to do with all your passion. Can I get an amen for all you young people out there? You just want to do stuff. You just want to change the world. You want to be idealistic. You want to see everything happen. You want everybody to see it your way right away. And that leads to lots of sin. Very few 17-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 21-year-olds, 23-year-olds, or anybody in that age range has any clue the repercussions of their sin when they're young. David was feeling that, and he was saying, God, please forgive me for all the crazy stuff I did when I was young. And I joined David this morning, looking back at my own life, and I say, Lord Jesus, have mercy. Have mercy on all the dumb, idiotic, proud, arrogant, sinful things that I did when I was young. He was feeling the loneliness and affliction. You can see this in verse 16. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and I'm afflicted. How many of you are lonely this morning? I mean, genuinely lonely. We live in a very isolated, tech-heavy tech culture that isolates the individual. And most people don't have one good friend, two good friends, three good friends. Most people are hungering and thirsting for friendship. And David was feeling lonely. Now, loneliness is a diagnosable struggle in today's medical environment. Loneliness is is something that people struggle with, but it's also something that believers struggle with. Because when you are trying to please God like David did, when you obey God, you feel lonely. Because you know what? When you obey God, you lose friends. When you seek to obey God like David was, when you seek to to live your life for God's glory, guess what? Not everybody's going to be on board with that. The Apostle Paul felt loneliness in 2 Timothy when everybody deserted him right before he died, but he stood alone and he stood with Jesus and he defended the gospel before his death. Where were all Jesus' disciples when Jesus was going to the cross? Gonzo, right? Because Jesus is about ready to get murdered. Who wants to be associated with that? We all feel the sting in our own lives, when we try to do something for Jesus, we try to do something for God, and we get persecuted, we get left alone by people that we thought were our friends, and we feel what? Loneliness. That's what David's talking about here. He's looking at the loneliness that he has, and he, he's feeling his own troubles. Verse 17, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. 
The troubles in my heart are really big. Don't you hate it when you feel trouble in your heart? It's the worst. And we've all felt it. You felt it. I have felt it. The troubles. We have been feeling troubles since March 15th. We have been feeling trouble. It's burdensome to us. And we take that trouble and we feel it deeply and emotionally. David was taking it seriously. David was feeling affliction. Consider all my affliction. Pain. Pain is what many people are feeling in our country this morning. Pain. The pain of injustices, the pain of sin, the pain of broken dreams, the pain of mortgage payments, amen, the pain of finances that are, you got to pull it together, the pain of relational conflict, the pain of parenting, the pain of death. David is feeling this pain. He's feeling his affliction. And David, like us, is a broken person. David, like us, is broken by his own sin, his own weakness. So before his enemies can be taken care of, which he mentions his enemies four times in this psalm, before his enemies can be taken care of, and before the nation could be healed, David knew he needed God's grace and forgiveness in his own life. Now allow me to start preaching a little bit, okay? Let me start preaching. Before our enemies can be taken care of, don't worry, it won't go that long. Before our enemies can be taken care of and before our nation can be taken care of, we need to make up our minds that we are going to repent and that our sins need to get taken care of first. We need to clean our own houses up first. Before we're really concerned about our enemies and God, what are you going to do to my enemies over here? And what are you going to do to them? You've got to judge them. What about our nation, God? We need to take care of our nation. We need to do all this stuff. How about we start cleaning our own house with repentance? How about we start cleaning our own hearts with the brokenness that is in us? How about we start running to Jesus for the stuff that we're carrying? Forget our enemies in the nation. How about we, we can't even carry our own stuff. How about we start carrying our own stuff to Jesus and saying, Lord, I repent. Your pathway comes to the repentant mind. The apostle Peter would say a similar word in Acts 2, verse 38. He said, repent for the forgiveness of your sins. God's path comes to us when we change our mind about our sin. God's pathway is opened to us, revealed to us, when we, by His grace, begin to see that the greatest relief in our life will be the forgiveness of our sins. The greatest relief our country can ever experience is the forgiveness of sins and revival. Revival and awakening a spiritual awakening across this country would be the only thing that can, that can give us relief. So many people are walking around toting agendas that are social and economic and political, but they're toting all those things because deep down in their consciences, they don't feel clean. This is as old as the Bible. Romans 1 says, if you're in sin, you just look for other people who are in the same sin as you, and you don't have to repent, and you can get the clap and the applause of those people so that they can love you. Let me tell you, they'll love you until your agenda becomes Jesus. And when your agenda becomes Jesus, and He changes your heart, and He forgives your sins, and He makes you new, when that happens, they'll leave you, but you know who will have you? Jesus will have you in His hands. And that's my prayer for our country. That's my prayer for living waters. That's my prayer for the south side of Des Moines. That's my prayer for the surrounding towns around us, is that God would do an awakening in our hearts. That he would cause our hearts and our minds to open up toward him so that his pathways can open up for us. I remember when my heart changed for the first time. 
July 6, 1999, in New York City, I heard the gospel of Jesus for the first time in a powerful, saving way. And my, my mind became repentant for the first time. And my heart became humble, and God has opened his pathway to me. This psalm is a beautiful psalm for me. Because this was the psalm when I was 19 years old. I read this, and I prayed verse 4 and verse 5 every day for two years. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. And I prayed that prayer every day of my life for two straight years. I prayed that because I wanted to know God's ways for me. I wanted to know his paths for me. So as we close, we see and feel David's heart, right? In Psalm 25. The path of God is not mainly a destination. The path of God is mainly the condition of your heart. Friendship with God, verse 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. And He makes His covenant known to them. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord look to and fro over the whole earth, looking for someone to give his full weight of support to whose heart is fully surrendered to him. Jesus said the path of God is eternal life. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they know you, Father, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus said it more explicitly in John 14. He said, I am the way the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. John 14, 6 says, I'm the path. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying what Psalm 25 says. You want to know the path of God? Jesus says, I am the path. I am the path of God. Jesus said to, to his disciples, you will see the angels ascending and descending on the pathway called the Son of Man. Jesus is the pathway, people. So many people profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but don't possess Him in their heart. So, so many people want forgiveness of sins, but they don't want Jesus' rulership, His authority over their lives. That's called false conversion. If you want Jesus just to forgive your sins, but you don't want Him speaking into your life and showing you the pathway of God, then you're not saved. That's a bold statement, but I don't mind saying it. Because some of you need to hear it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 says, In the end times there will be many people who, who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Some of you have the form of Jesus. Oh yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But you don't have any power in your life because you're not converted. The pathway of God comes to the humble heart and to the repentant mind. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us this morning through your word. Father, your pathway is what we want. But God, your pathway is not a destination as much as it is a condition of our hearts. And Lord, David cries out in Psalm 25. He's concerned. He wants to know your path. God, so many of us this morning, we are concerned. We want to know your path. We want to know your way. God, give us humble hearts this morning. Give us repentant minds so that we can know your path. Lord, I pray for every Christian listening to this sermon, that you would use your word to convict every Christian in the audience to say, just because I'm saved, just because I prayed a prayer, just because I'm born again, doesn't mean I shouldn't and I can't and I won't seek a humble heart and a repentant mind today. God, we as believers who know you, we need to run to this truth to have humble hearts and repentant minds. And Lord, no doubt in the audience there are, there are some, maybe even many, 
who have the form of godliness, but they deny the power of Jesus Christ and his saving work. Jesus, I pray that right now you would do heart surgery on somebody who's lost and they, they know that they just need a real, authentic, powerful, biblical experience with Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that even this morning, it would be the day of their salvation, the day that they surrender all of their soul to Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for your word. Give us humble hearts. Give us dependent and repentant minds. And may you help us see and feel and experience the power of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We trust you for the results, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Awesome to see you digitally. Thank you so much for joining us for the word of God. We love you by the grace of God. We will have Tent Church next week, weather willing, and uh, we will see you there. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. God bless you. We'll talk to you real soon.